This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Uh, we're going to continue today with trusting God when it seems like it doesn't make sense. When things aren't going exactly the way you plan for them to go. And trusting God where, have you ever been disappointed? That maybe your prayer wasn't answered the way you wanted it to be answered. I think we've all been there. Or maybe uh, you lost a job, you were believing to keep the job, or there was someone who hurt you and uh, maybe a, a spouse disappointed you and just things start disrupting your faith or you start getting attacked in your faith realm. Anybody been there? If you've been a Christian very long, you, you have been. And... And the Word tells us what to do, and of course it's to trust God, but we're looking at different principles of what the Word speaks to us about what do we do in that situation? What do we do when our faith is under attack? What do we do when the loved one dies that you were praying and believing for healing for? Or you lose a child? What happens to your faith? And... It's one of those things we don't talk about much, but we, we need to. We need to have some understanding because I don't know anyone that's 100% in this. Anybody here 100%er? Everything you pray and speak, just instant, I mean, it's done? Okay, well, cast that line spirit here. But, but we've all uh, have to come to a place where we know that God is not at fault. God is not our problem. God is the answer. He's the deliverer. He's our freedom. He's our peace. He's our joy. So it's the issue is never that God fell. It's always on us. It's always on our side. But we also have to learn not to take on condemnation, not to take on a shame and all this, this guilt about it. We have to move on for life. And we're going to look at these, these things those emotional battles and when you're confused and overwhelmed. In Psalms 145, 12, it says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises, a loving toward all he has made. God is always faithful. His word is always true. Even if it seems like you didn't get the answer or the promise didn't come to pass for you, does not mean that God failed us or that his word's not true. His word is always true. He's always faithful. And sometimes we, we saw that God reveals the reason people didn't receive. And sometimes the Bible's silent. We don't know why people didn't receive. But we know this, it was always on man's end and not on God's end. And you have to have that foundation and know that. But in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, I want to look at a verse that gets people in trouble many times because of their under, wrong understanding or concept on this. Therefore I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Well, I want you to notice here he talks about you ask, you believe, you receive. This is a prayer that is talking about you. 
And many times we'll try and put this on someone else. Well, I prayed, I asked, I believed, and I, I received the answer for this person. But the truth is, we don't know their heart. We don't know all the, the back issues, what's going on surrounding that. And we try and take this, it's really a prayer of faith for us individually, we try and put it on other people. And then when the answer doesn't come true or come through, we get disappointed at God. We start saying, well, I, I know I prayed. I know I asked in faith. I was standing. I was believing. I believed I received, and yet didn't come to pass because this prayer is meant for you as an individual, not for someone else. Have you noticed you can't force something on someone else? And we had uh, a lot of teaching on these lines where it, it moved into witchcraft where I'm going to control you with my prayers. You ever had someone pray for you and you realize that that prayer was controlling? <laughs> I mean, it was changing things. The only way I can pray for someone else is according to the will of God, and I can pray when I know what his word says. Lord, I know that I can pray for laborers across their path. I can pray that. That will speak the gospel. There's certain things I, I can pray, but there's certain things that I don't know the will of God for a person. I can't say, look, you're not supposed to take that job I can't say that unless God reveals it. can't say that because only God knows. So we get mixed up and it causes people, Christians even, to get bitter. Some leave the church and they took a prayer that was never meant to be prayed that way. It's for us as an individual. You can only be accountable for yourself. You can't be accountable for really your spouse or you are for your children until a certain age, age accountability. Uh, but... You can't be accountable for your coworker, for your next door neighbor, because we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. So if you if you use this prayer on other people, you're praying it out of context. It's for you. And you know when you pray in faith, you know when you're believing. Amen. God's the one that knows the condition of the heart. So we need to understand that there are different types of prayer, but this is a prayer that, and I can't change someone's will, but let me help you. God will not change someone's will. He gives you the power to choose, and it's by your will. And he, he doesn't say, I'm going to change your will. If it was, if he had not given us the freedom to choose, his choice would be for all to be saved and none to be lost. That's his choice. But he gives us a free will choice and he'll not violate your will. God will not violate your will. So we choose. We talked about last week choosing life. Choosing the blessing. We choose. God is waiting on us to choose. It doesn't mean that we cause the life to come to pass or the blessings to come to pass. He's looking for our will to choose life, to choose blessing. But if you don't choose, you automatically have chosen the wrong way. You've got to choose life. You can't change someone else's life. They have to want to change their life. It's up to them. They have a choice. 
And then you have the same thing, really, the, the prayer of agreement. In Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I can agree with someone, but I don't know if they're standing in faith. I don't know if there's doubt, unbelief. I don't know what's going on there. I can be standing in faith. I can be believing, and maybe it doesn't come to pass. Well, the reason is beyond my faith or beyond my prayers because I don't know the other person's heart. Now, I will tell you, it's really easy for me to agree with you if you're going through sickness and disease and you know, you're in pain. It's easy for me to agree with you that God's will is for your healing and healing is now. It's yours. That's real easy. It's harder on the one that's feeling the pain. <laughs> Amen? It's easy. Oh, yeah, I'll agree with you all day. Say, I'm going away. I'm in faith. Oh, I believe. You're the one. Uh, you're fighting symptoms, and you're, you're coming against the elements and the flesh and thoughts and questions that are attacking you. So we, we don't know. And really, the word agree there uh, means to harmonize together. You look up in the Greek, it harmonizes. That's where we get the English word symphony. It's blending in agreement before God. And there's great power in agreement. A husband and wife should come to a place of agreement. You have your prayer partner, your, uh, that friend. You come to a place of agreement. There's power release in agreement. It's good to have someone else standing with you, isn't it? And believing with you and encouraging and standing in faith with you. So we need to know that there's different aspects there. And many times um, we, we get upset when we really shouldn't be. Because really, you know, I've heard it says, well, things happen for a reason. And I've kind of thought, uh, not the reason you're thinking of probably. But, <laughs> but it's true. Things happen for a reason. And we can see that, you know, from the Word of God. So if you're, if you're standing for someone and you don't see the answer, you need to forgive. You need to make sure your heart's clean. You need to look at your life and make sure you, you examine yourself, really. Okay, this situation happened. It, was, it failed. And I look at my own life and say, well, could I have done something different? Was there a part I was lacking in? And if there's not, I leave it in God's hands. I examine my heart and maybe there's something else. Maybe this person died and I look at my heart. I could have done something different. I could have. And, and the Holy Spirit's confirming this and you just, what do you do? You forgive yourself. As God forgive you, forgive yourself. And what do you do? You leave it in God's hands. You go on. Because there's no condemnation in Christ. So if a person, I pray for people and they've died, could I have done something different? Sometimes, sometimes no. But I don't let condemnation come on me because I have a good, good father. He knows I'm learning. He knows I desire him. I tell you what. You're not really a failure if you're standing and believing in God's Word and the thing fails 
it's nothing wrong with going down with a full fight. You know what I mean? I, I believe that you're not a failure. I believe that we learn and we grow, but it also shows that we need to make sure people are going to heaven. Amen? In Acts chapter 16, verse 22, it says, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden, wooden rods. They were severely beaten. Then they were thrown into prison. The jail, jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to the foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Now, here's the situation where you have Paul and Silas who've been directed by God to go to Philippi, and they go there, and they find themselves in prison. But we, we skip over the part that they were stripped and beaten severely with rods. And then they're thrown in the dungeon. And many times there are some commentaries that believe that the, the lower dungeon was a place where the sewage ran through. Just to help you a little bit. This was an awful place where they were at. And their, their feet are stock, in stocks. That they're miserable. In the natural, have to be. Yet, they lift up their voice and they praise God. They're praying and they're praising God. There's something about praising God anyway. There's something about that spits in the devil's face when I say, look, it, it might look this way, but I want you to know I'm an overcomer in Christ Jesus and I'm going to praise my God anyway. I'm going to lift up my voice. I'm going to praise. I'm going to shout. I've gone down the expressway before just singing and shouting. A guy at work told me one time, he said, man, what happened to you going home from work? Did you know there was a guy just laying on the horn behind you and he pulled up beside you and gave you the peace sign minus one finger and, and he's, just, he's just going to town at you and you're just like you were oblivious to it. He said, what were you doing? I said, I was shouting praises to God. I, I said, I was just letting the devil have it. I was having a good time. I didn't know the devil was harassing me at that time. There's something about just praising him anyway. You know, God has made music and, and worship to touch your emotions. Just think about it. You can listen to some old songs. I've listened to some oldies but goodies from my childhood, and it's like I'm a kid again. Because the emotions, the, you, you just you connect with that. But God wants us to connect with Him, that He is our stronghold, He is our fortress, He is our God who is present, our help in time of need. He is more than enough. He is our God. He's the creator of the universe, and He calls us son. He calls you daughter. He's, he's number one. Nobody trumps God. Nobody is over God. He is number one. 
and we are with him. We are in his family. And let me tell you, his kids are his favorites. I'm his favorite, but you're his favorite. (laughs) He has loving thoughts towards every person on this earth all the time. That includes each one of us. What a good father. What a good God that we serve. In Psalms 34, 19, just to remind you, we talked about many are the afflictions. It doesn't say of the sinner, of the sinners. It doesn't say many are the afflictions of the carnal Christians. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You've got to understand As a believer, as a Christian, you will face pressure. You will face trials, temptations, challenges, tribulations, troubles. You're going to face it. Because the little G God of this world is controlling behind the scenes the world system and you're contrary to it. You're bringing life. He's speaking death. There's many voices in the earth. But there's one voice that speaks life. So many Christians, and it was kind of the way when I got saved, I thought everything would be great. I thought, man, I've arrived. Y'all never heard this guy, but there was a Tiny Tim song. I remember it. Tiptoe through the tulips. Some of you remember. We're showing our age. And that's, that's the picture I had. Oh, I'm saved now. Tiptoe through life now. I'm a Christian. Oh, glorious. Then I'm saved and I start praying and curse words come to me. I go, the world. I never had people that disliked me before. I don't know of. I get saved, there's people that just, I remember going into the bathroom at work and a guy came in and he just stared at me and walked out and I'm going, what did I do to him? It's just, I come to work and I had all these cassette tapes and they're all piled up. Somebody pulled them all out. And there's this mound A cassette tapes just tape all over the place. Now everyone knew I was a Christian after that because there was tours of my desk. People came from other floors to come and look. And the guy who did this was, I found out, had just been given a gun and he was not happy with me. I didn't. I felt peace. I, you know, I felt protection. There was people that were concerned and talked to the, the president of the company and stuff about it, and they were able to get this gun. Um, he could not bring the gun to work anymore. He showed the gun at work. Had another person come to me and a um, friend of mine, I thought was a friend. He said, "I heard you believe in this infilling of the spirit." I said, "Yes." He says, "Well." I want to talk to you. I want to make an appointment with you at lunch, going to a conference room. 
And we go in there and he has uh, a big manual. It's debates against the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going, I don't want to get no big debate, but, you know, okay, fine. We both open to the same scripture there in Mark. And I go, that's great. That's the same place I'm going to. He that believes not. <laughs> if you're not bad, he goes where you're not baptized, you're lost. He is two verses above mine. And I just come, well, just skip down to this. He goes, you don't understand. My verse is for today. Yours is 2,000 years old. It was for back then. I said, where does it say that? So anyway, we, we parted as friends until he said, you know what? You believe that if you're poisoned, God will protect you. Well, it says no deadly thing or harming. He says, okay, can I bring some food with poison in it? Now, it's really weird. I just heard where R.W. Schambach, from probably most of you never heard of him, had talked about he was given some poison food and God protected him. I just heard that message. And I said, sure. I said, do not let me know about it because I will not tempt the Lord my God. If I know about it, I'm not going to eat it. So I don't know if he did or not. But I was leery anybody that presented me food. <laughs> but it was about 10 years later that he, he called me and said, Can I talk to you? I said, sure. We came together and he said, forgive me for coming against you. He said, I told other people about you. You probably got some looks from other people. He said, now I debate for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm like you. What I'm saying there is, it says for all those who live godly or desire to live godly in the Lord, there's going to be persecution. So don't think that you've done something wrong or, you know, what's going on. This is just normal life for us, but we're victorious in the middle of it. And that's 2 Timothy 3.12. Those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So here's Paul and Silas. They're praising God. I believe they're focused on the goodness of God. Uh, they're, they're all bloody and all this, but they're all the, everyone hurt him. All the prisoners hurt him. And then there's a massive earthquake and they're, they're set free. They get everyone saved. I believe many of the prisoners got saved, but the jailer we know uh, gave, gave his life to the Lord and the guy's household. So they were, they were delivered. And... The, like I was saying uh, about that, that worship, something about worship will bring peace on you too. You can be stressed, but there is something about worshiping God that can calm the emotions, the nerves, and bring peace. And I remember uh, Dennis Apollo losing his job. This is several years back. 
but he comes up to the church. He didn't want to talk about it. He said what happened, but it was real quick. He said, I want to worship. I want to worship. And we're at church. We, we turned up the, the worship, and he laid into a time with God. And when he was finished, he was at peace. There's something powerful about worshiping God anyway. But then we got John the Baptist. We got Paul and Silas who were delivered from prison. John the Baptist is in prison. And he is going through a tough time. I actually believe that he was uh, got offended at God. Here he was a, a forerunner of the Messiah. He was called of God. Um, he, he probably started thinking, you know, Jesus, um, what would Jesus be without me? You know how to think it could be. I, I promoted Jesus and all this. and uh, or he, That's my cousin, Jesus. <laughs> He's my cousin. Come to think of it, my cousin hasn't been to see me in prison. <laughs> and all this thing, you know, the enemy's attacking his, his mind. And we see in scriptures of Matthew 11, verse 2, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? He's questioning if Jesus is the one. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the uh, gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That's what John was dealing with. He got offended at, at the word. I'm sure this is not what I bargained for, God. I, my ministry... I knew that I was supposed to decrease and he was supposed to increase, but my goodness, I'm in prison. Woe is me, and this is not what I expected. And he was disappointed, and he starts getting offended at God to his disciples say, see if this is the one. And Jesus said, he, he put John back to the word, the things that you know. Go back to the things that you know. And this was uh, scriptures about the Messiah. The Messiah would do these things. So he was saying, John, this is what the Word says. Go back to what you know, the Word. And blessed is he is not offended at me. Wow. You know, sometimes I think, well, Jesus might be a little nicer there, but that's what he needed. Sometimes you have to be shook out of that place. So don't allow yourself to be offended at God or His Word. Now the Bible doesn't tell us why John wasn't delivered from prison like Paul and Silas. I'm sure he was thinking there was people delivered from prison. What about me? But the Bible doesn't tell us. But I guarantee you the problem was not on God's side. It was on John's side. Well, Ben, I put this, uh, this statement down last night because uh, I really think it kind of expresses what I've been trying to get forth in the series. But faith is not always trusting in a desired outcome. 
Faith is trusting that the principles that Jesus taught will work, treating them enough to put into practice despite the way it may be looking. I trust God and I'm going to keep on going with Him despite what the circumstances, what the situation is, uh, uh, what looks like a failure over here. I'm going to keep my sight, my focus on God and put my trust in Him. That's faith. That's faith, trusting him and believing him, even in the midst of it. Jesus sent the word to John about himself and said, go back to what you know. We used to sing a song, when we all get to heaven, what well, a day of rejoicing that will be. And we talk about the sweet by and by, but it was more or less, there was no victory in this day and time. You know, you kind of just got along, you survived and got to heaven. But really, when you look at Scripture, there is some truth to that. And I want to show you how Jesus dealt with Christ's situation. He tells us what to do. In 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Paul talks about the resurrection, or gathering together into the Lord in, in the air. He said, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. It can be a comfort. In John 14, verse 1, and we, we touched on this verse before. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, Jesus was preparing his disciples here for the greatest trial, pressure, temptation that they could face. They would be tempted just to go back to the old way. Let's just go fishing and forget this thing. Because they were about to face the crucifixion. And they didn't understand what was going on. They didn't have all the answers. It, was, uh, it took a revelation and it just wasn't their time to understand it all. They couldn't get it all. And Jesus is preparing them. It doesn't sound like he's really saying, look, this is what the devil's going to do. Prepare to fight him. Or It's nothing like that. He points them towards a future promise. He points them towards heaven. Says, look, don't let your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions, and you've got one. I'm going, and you're coming. And what he's saying is, this is a way in the crisis situation that you can go back to what you know, and you can have heaven's perspective. And you can say, if I fail, if I don't get healed, and I think it helps sometimes just say, what ifs? That's what the devil brings. What if you don't get ill? What if you die? Well, go ahead and play that game for a moment. What if? If I don't get healed, I'm still going to heaven. I'm still saved. I'm still walking the streets of gold. I still have a mansion in heaven. You know what it does? It brings comfort and strength to me. All of a sudden, and you rascal, I'm going to get my healing now. It brings security, it brings strength. And Jesus is taking these disciples and pointing them towards heaven. 
There's something about heaven. You start thinking about heaven that the fears of this world, what you're facing is so difficult and tough when compared to heaven. Listen, your best days on this earth do not compare to what you have in heaven. Paul said, I'm stuck. I'm in between a rock and a hard place. You need me here because I can help you. But to be with Christ is far better. And he, he has this revelation of heaven and being with Christ. And he's pulled. And you know, how many of us are using our faith just to stay here? <laughs> That's what Paul was doing. He's using his faith to stay in the earth. Because he wants to go be with Jesus. He wants to leave. But see, we can say, hey, you could be defeated your whole life, but if he is your Lord and Savior, you're going to heaven. We cannot lose for winning. When a believer doesn't get healed, they go straight into the presence of God. They didn't lose, they won. It's far better for them. Preaching, Marin, y'all acting. Okay. So when you enter into a place where your faith is shaken, you lose your spiritual breath, make a decision, do not let your heart be troubled, take authority, control your emotions, believe in God, operate in faith, but right in the midst of the chaos and the crisis, think about heaven. Think about heaven. And it'll bring security. It bring peace to you. You can go back. I, I love what we sang this morning. One thing remains. I can go back to the love of God. I can go back to the joy of my salvation. Thank you, Lord. I'm going through this mess, and it stinks. But I know you love me. I know you're with me. And I know your love never fails. I know it's unconditional. Even when I mess up, you still love me. Even when I am in doubt, you still love me. And heaven is my home. You know what? I'm just going to praise you anyway. I'm going to let the devil have it by praising you and worshiping you. I'm going to worship you until I can't talk anymore. It's going to be louder and bigger than that Memphis-UCLA game. I'm going to shout for my God more than I shouted for my football team, which is temporary. A bunch of men beating up on each other with, over a pigskin full of air. I have something greater to shout for. I have something greater to live for. I have a God who loves me and came down to this earth and rescued me and went to a cross and died for me to save me and make me his son and make me righteous on the inside of me. I don't care what happens, what the devil says. He's a liar and he's defeated. And heaven is my home. Hallelujah. I have victory. Now, do I believe for healing now? Absolutely. I stand on the promises of God. But I'm not going to lose my faith if I don't see the end result. I'm going to praise God and thank God where they're at. And I'm not belittling there is a season of grief. I'm not talking about that. We talked about that. There is a season of grief. 
God, uh, it's scriptural to, to have that, but you don't stay there. And even if your grief is different when your hope's in God, and you know where those people are, where your loved one is, because you got eternity with them. This is a short time here compared to eternity. Hallelujah. How can you keep your heart from being troubled in a crisis situation? Start thinking about the promises God has given you about heaven. What Jesus was teaching here. Or a heaven perspective. Some things to do in the crisis. Number one, examine your life and leave it in God's hands. Number two, understand as a Christian you will face pressure, trials, troubles, and tribulations. Number three, praise and worship God anyway. Refuse to be offended at God or His Word and focus on the heaven perspective. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Give you an opportunity to make the greatest decision of your life. What will you do with Jesus Christ? He died for you. He loves you. He paid the price for you to be a part of his family. What do you have to do? You surrender to him. You give your heart to him. That's what lordship is. He becomes the boss. He's the final authority in your life. And you choose. It's your choice. No one looking around. If that's you today and you want to choose Christ to be your Lord and Savior, we'll give you an opportunity now to lift your hand. We'll pray together and you can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you prayed this before, but you realize today you haven't been living for Him. Maybe you've been having the, the world's perspective and you've lost the heaven perspective and you haven't been faithful to him. But he'll always be faithful to you. And he always loves you. And you can come back home today. That's you. You can get in on this prayer too. Receive that cleansing and wholeness and come back running to him. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Father, Thank you for Jesus Christ who died for me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the great price that was paid that my sins were taken by Jesus. And I can be made righteous by accepting you as Lord and Savior. So Jesus, come into my heart. I surrender fully to you and I make you my Lord and my Savior. I'll live for you. Empower me. Fill me with your spirit to live for you. And I give you all the glory and all the praise. Let's stand up and let's worship the Lord.
If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.